You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being and truth. I'm Bod. And I'm Mac. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. If only I had passed over Lindy when looking for an assistant all those years ago. It wasn't until a few years later that I began to notice the signs. I knew the prophecies. I am a terrorist worldbringer after all. And yet, not all of us are religious men. Some, such as myself, are more interested in other topics. However, during my time with Lindy, I could not help but become more interested in the anticipation. He seemed to fit the signs so well. All right, so chapter 19 and 20. Okay, okay, okay. Big time, big time. We're back with our boy, Sazed. We get his point of view again. Um, he It opens up with something that, like, is just Sazed voicing his frustrations. He's like, five months of storing speed. Every fifth day, the entire day, storing speed, gone. In six days of travel. But in those six days... He's traveled six weeks worth of travel. So, wow, that's a lot. That's, mm-hmm. that's like, uh, what is it? That's like... Uh, Seven times as fast. That That's uh, that's at a faster pace than uh, Kelsier and Vin could pewter drag when they did their sprint in the first book. That is a faster pace. Yeah, it is. And for a longer period of time. Yeah, and so that's insane. Like, again, we're seeing the differences in power between the two systems where they each have their own benefits but we can see how you know it's like says said it took him five months to store that up but wow what an intense amount of of, of power in mm-hmm. such a short amount mm-hmm. of time so says it is uh needing to travel but he sees that there are there's some smoke ahead and he's like oh uh that seems like the smoke of an army because he just like there shouldn't be like it looks like a bunch of different campfires. It looks like a bunch of different things. He's like, okay, so there's an army in between me and Lufadel. No big deal. I guess I'm going to go spy on it, and I'm going to spy on it because you know Ellen and Vin could really use this information that there's an army this close to Lufadel. I don't think he knows that the other two armies are outside of Lufadel right now. No idea. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, this is a third army. Oh no. Um, and he's like, yeah, he's like, dude, they look really simplistic. Like, this is like some really like primitive stuff. And what is that 10 foot tall blue thing? The oh, Colas. Yeah. Says it's like, I've only ever read books on this. The uh, Colas supposedly like range between five foot tall all the way up to 12 feet. And they're just these huge, hulking blue creatures that have like on the smaller ones he mentions how there's just like folds and folds of skin on them and he's like wait they 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 they, and what what he knows from his books he goes okay okay so they they infinitely grow until they die they grow themselves to death they get they can only live up to like 20 years uh until they die of heart failure yeah they get so big their heart can't keep up with them right and but another thing he points out is like their skin is doesn't grow with them when they're really small, like five foot, which is small for them, right? The skin's really baggy and foldy on them. Like, it just doesn't fit at all. Like, their clothes are too big for you. But then once they get to, like, 20 feet, it's like they're, like, can't, the skin can't even hold them. Yeah, I think it was, like, 12 feet was the biggest one. 
uh, that season mentioned. Or 12 feet, yeah. And he, and he said, yeah, like the skin was tearing because it could not fit the body anymore. So these things are terrifying, okay? I like, I'm trying to think of a good like pop culture reference for how they would look. Like the Navi with, uh, but no, like, no, yeah, like, no, the, no, 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 but I'm thinking like the Navi in terms of like their size, but like, ho- like they're, they're like Dwayne Johnson, Navi size. Um, they're just huge. Uh, I can't, they're, they're like, uh, Frankenstein, I guess would be the way I'd kind of think of it. But like, maybe, maybe like Swamp Thing, something like that. Just, just big hulking figures are breaking through their skin. Um, they carry massive swords and they're very brutal. They kill each other all the time. You hardly ever, they, they, they live for such short lives, but they, uh, most of it is because they just kill each other. Yeah. Say it points out that his books say like, you know, he saw a couple of them that were like 10, 12 feet tall, but he's like, they normally don't live that long. They normally don't live to die to heart failure because someone else, you know, one of themselves are going to kill each other. And while he's doing this, he's like, what are they doing here? You know, I like the Lord Ruler supposedly kept them as far away from civilization as possible until they were needed because of how destructive they are. What are they doing a week out from Lufadel? And then he goes, wait a second. When I tap sight, I can't see close to me. Turns it off, looks down. Come down. <laughs> He's surrounded by Coloss. He's got Coloss all around the tree like bears. Yeah, it says it's like, oh, I used all my speed. <laughs> My speed's gone. I cannot run these guys, even if I wanted to. And they're just like, calm down. Calm down. And Sazed's like, well, I guess I have to. And he jumps down, and they don't kill him immediately. And Sazed's like blown away, because he's only heard about how violent they are, and how terribly destructive they are. And the other thing is, Sazed, as a terrorist man, he's also like very, very tall, but he's dwarfed by these things. Yeah. And so he, they're like, follow me, and he follows them. He's like, you know, maybe Coloss get a really bad rep, man. Like, they're like, they didn't kill me on sight. That's kind of crazy. And then one of them walking in the group just turns around and decks another one of the Coloss and beats him to death with his fist. And then says it's like, why did you do that? And Coloss is like, never liked him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, uh, I guess they are just as violent as uh, everyone says they are. Um, and yeah, he mentions that even as they're walking into a ca- in the camp, he notices that fights are just breaking out randomly. But one thing he, he notices, which I think is really interesting, it's our first little bit into like this Coloss culture. He says the fights only happen between Coloss of the same size. He says, he, he, at least while he's there in that small amount of time, he never saw a bigger Coloss beat up on a smaller one. They always fought each other if they were the same size. Mm-hmm. So I find that very interesting. So what are they doing here? They uh, he When he beats, uh, that Coloss beats the other one to death, he grabs his sword and he grabs um, some like sack of something off, off his belt. Yeah. yeah. And then when they get back to camp, there's other Coloss there waiting, smaller ones, and he tosses them the sword, and then he points where he went and beat that guy to death, and they run off after it. And so he's like, do they have burial rites? Like, what is going on right now with the, with these things? But they take them to the center of camp, and in the center of camp, there's a tent surrounded by humans. Oh, okay. Tent surrounded by humans. And Sazed's like, yes! <laughs> Sazed's like, I think I'm going to have it out. <laughs> And so he goes, uh, he goes into it and he, he learned in the human, he's like, Hey, you're human. He's like, yeah, I'm human. 
what's up? And he's like, what are you doing with the Kolos? And he's like, you gotta talk to the king. And Xavier's like, okay, that's good. Let's take me to the king. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. And we learn that the king is Justice Lacal. Which, if you don't remember, he was in Final Empire as part of the group of guys that would hang out with Ellen and talk conspiracy. He's like, says it's, or says it's, he's like Ellen's best friend, right? I think so. Yeah, one of them. So, yeah. Um, why does he have Coloss? And says, well, says this is the same thing. What are you doing with Coloss? And he's like, you know, I convinced him. Have you seen any other noblemen take control of a Coloss army? You have not. And the Likau we're seeing, his hair is like all fallen out. I think I remember in the Final Empire, you know, Ellen would give him a hard time because he'd always scratch his head whenever he got nervous. And he's like, your hair is going to fall out, man. Well, pff, his hair fell out. And he's always running his hand through his hair and stuff like that. And he just seems overall jittery. And if we thought that Kellen or Kellen, if we thought that Ellen was a, did not uh, have a kingly uh, presence. presence if he, this guy, Kellen, yeah. Ellen looks like a wonderful leader compared to Lacal because Lacal is scared as can be. He even at one point goes, Oh, yes, a terraceman, you know. I haven't had a good servant in such a long time. You'll be mine now. And Stasis is like, no. And he goes, but, uh, but, but. And he goes, no, well, you know, ever since the Lord Ruler died and the final empire fell, the terrorist people don't call anyone their masters anymore. And he goes, very well. <laughs> that makes sense, I guess. Oops. Oops. <laughs> my, my bad, bro. I didn't know we ended that whole service <laughs> servant thing. <laughs> I didn't get the memo. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, what happened? Lacal somehow got the Coloss to listen to him, and he's marching on Lufidel with them because he's going to force Ellen to give him the ATM because he needs it. And once he has the ATM, he'll be able to control everything. And says it's like your plan is dumb. All right, like he says it's a lot nicer than I am, but he's like, your plan's dumb. And Lacal's like, oh yeah. He's like, no, no, seriously. Like the Lord Ruler was scared of these things and brought them nowhere near civilization. And you want to take them to the most populated place, place in the in final the, empire. Mm-hmm. And Lacal's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I want to do. And so he's like, okay, okay. I just need to, I just need to test your stupidity. Here. I need to get make a, sure. You yeah. Know, yeah. He, but he could see that he's, he's still scared of them. Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, the, 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 the like, well, you're, uh, he says so like, oh, well, I got to go to Lufidel. So I'm going to go now. And Lacal's like, you're a prisoner. What do you mean? And he's like, no, I don't think you have the manpower to hold prisoners because even if you had one person looking at me, that's one person not protecting you from the coloss that are currently surrounding you. And Lacal's like, ooh, you've been... Mm. He's like, and you could also have me killed, but do you really want the coloss to get used to killing people? Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, you make a good point. And, and Caesar's like, get, Caesar's like feeling pity. Like, I could just give Ellen a message. And he's like, you, you will give Ellen a message. Yeah, that's exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> So, yeah, this is bad because this is a, oh, this is just a person who is worse off in control than Ellen is. Arguably with the strongest things, the things that people fear the most that the Lord Ruler would use as a last resort to deal with situations. And he has 20,000 of them. 20,000. Oh, God. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Um, basically, Cal says, hey... If you go to Ellen, tell him to give me the ATM, we can be neighbors. 
because he's like, I have no interest in actually fighting Ellen. I don't want to. I just need the ATM. Mm-hmm. And and so he's like, all right, we can uh, we can do that. And that's the end of chapter nineteen. Ooh, we're going into twenty. <laughs> okay, okay. So we get an Ellen point of view, and Doxon's like, yo, okay, this is a a very dangerous plan. Walking into the middle of Straff's camp is not a good idea. So it turns out I think Ellen's going with the idea. He's going to go actually see his father in his camp at this point. And Doxon's like, yeah, that's not a good idea. And Vin's like, you know, he's more in control because Ellen's like, nope, that's what we're doing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you what we're doing. And Vin, Vin gets bitter. And you know what? I'm going to put some of my own personal feelings into this. I have definitely gotten bitter over this moment before too, mm-hmm. when, when it comes to people in my life where I go, Hey, you should do this. And they go, no. And then someone else says, Hey, you should do this. And it's the exact same thing you say. And they go, that's a good idea. And you're like, <laughs> and that is exactly what happens here. Vin is bitter as can be because Vin's tried to get Ellen to learn to fight. He's doing it now because Tendril said to Vin's like, I wanted you to learn to fight. I wanted you to stand up for yourself. And this random terrorist woman comes in out of nowhere and you're listening to her more than you're listening to me and Vin's as better as can be mm-hmm. and I completely understand where she's coming from it also is showing that she feels a little more insecure and I'm gonna we'll talk about that in a second though so Ellen's like I'm gonna turn Straff against Set and the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to go in there because Straff's gonna believe that if I'm going in there it's because I'm lost. I'm I've, I'm admitting defeat, essentially. He has power over me. I'm going to take Vin in there with me because I can guarantee that Straff already underestimates Vin. He's correct. Straff doesn't think Vin killed the Lord Ruler. And so I'm going to take her in there, too. And so he can see her, and we're going to use the fact that she doesn't look intimidating to our advantage here, and he's going to underestimate her now. And we're going to use that to basically show that we're weak and get him to fight set with him just thinking I'm going to hand everything over. And Doxon's like, that's all a good idea. Ellen until, uh, I don't know. He just doesn't let you come back. And he goes, well, then he's going to kill me. You know, what's, what's going to happen anyway. And Doxon's like, I'm actually not worried about him killing you. I'm more worried about the fact that once they have you, he's just going to walk up to the gate and go, I have your King open up, let me in. Ellen's like, I'll beat you to it. I'm already going to give the, you and the assembly uh, a direct order to have me killed if that happens. And, and and the group's like, oh, so we're like going all in. And Vin's like, we're going all in. <laughs> okay. So pretty good setup here. So let's get to this. Vin's not feeling secure. And we kind of get this view of her now. She's not feeling secure. And I was like, man... She's kind of been hinting at this a little bit, like, Ellen deserves this, Ellen deserves that. You know, she's kind of trying to come to terms. Am I a noble woman? Am I not? We're seeing her try to come to terms with herself, but she's remembering what Zane said. You don't belong, you know, in their world. You don't belong in their world. We belong in our own world. You know, we belong out here with the mist. And she's like, dang, that's kind of what I've been feeling lately. I don't belong anywhere. And she uses the whole, like, Tindall thing to, like, to point that forward, right? Does Ellen need someone like me in his life? Or does, you know, I think what brought it on, here's what brought it on exactly. She was like, oh, he was like, I'm taking Vin. And Vin's like, yeah, I can get him out of there. 
and you know if something goes wrong and ham makes a joke where it's like not a dignified retreat huh slung over your girlfriend's back essentially is what he says and he's just poking fun at ellen but vin sees that that actually affects ellen and he's like yeah well i mean it's better than being dead and she even points out she goes man he's still he's still a man here and in in this and then their culture right he's still a man it's very embarrassing to for them to be saying oh he's just gonna be hiding behind his girlfriend the whole time even if she's a misborn Mm -hmm. and she's so that kind of starts it again and she's like you know does he deserve a a a woman who's more woman-like does he like doesn't he deserve someone who, who who fits the status better he shouldn't have to be with his assassin essentially that's the way she sees herself and she's like, man, I'm, I might be messing this up for him a bit. And she's like, well, I'm going to re- refocus myself. I need to focus on who's the, who's the spy, who's the spy. And so she starts burning bronze to sense. And she's like, okay, well, there's a thing coming from Breeze. He's soothing currently. And he's soothing Ellen. He's messing with Ellen right now. And she gets kind of annoyed, like, what's he doing? What's he doing? And we just learned how good of a guy Breeze actually is. This whole time, Breeze is fighting Ellen. He's going against him in a lot of these things, telling him he's wrong. What is he doing while he's telling him he's wrong? He's soothing him. He's getting rid of his anxiety. He's getting rid of like these negative emotions, and he's trying to make him more confident. And and Vin's like, oh, thank well, you, Breeze. Well, and Vin figures this out because she burns Duralamine while burning bronze. Yeah, and she's able to actually sense exactly what he's going after. Because we, we got the hint from Marsh in the first book. That once you get really good at it, you'll actually be able to know exactly what they're soothing away. And she says that, and she's, it's just one of those bless you, Breeze moments. And we just get to see that, man. Like, Breeze, you know, his all, was in the first book was always the butt of the joke. He was always the, he was as much of an anti-hero as you possibly could be in the first book. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Okay, you're making me. Okay, okay. But we see here, and, and Vin points it out, Breeze, you're a good man trying really hard to not seem like a good man. And, you know, you're pretty bad at it because we can all tell that you're a good man. So I just love that moment because, like, again, when I think of... Bran is so good at making power so cool. Every time, I, you know, you think of it, you think of... Even Ellen mentions it at some point. He goes, I wish I could have been born a misting, any misting, even one of the weaker ones like bronze or copper. Look at what Breeze is doing with bronze. Or, or brass, brass. Sorry. sorry, um, but look what look what Breeze is doing. It's crazy. He's, mm-hmm. oh, it's just so cool. All right. So, Ellen uh, notices that Finn's growing more attached to Osir, which is pretty cool. You know, and I think we pointed that out. You pointed yeah. that out. You're like, look, it seems like their relationship's starting to turn around, and I agree. It's starting to turn around a bit, and that's nice to do. And um, yeah, so he leaves. He's like. Uh, all right, I'm going to go, guess, talk to Tindall now, try to figure out what's going on. And she's like, uh, all right, you're an embarrassment. And he's like, oh, here we go again. Why did I do this time? Everyone agreed with my plan. I got them to let me do it. And she's like, you did what? You got them to let you do it? No, no, that's not how this works. You were going to do that no matter what. You better tell them what you're going to do. Stop. You, you t-. And she just lays into him. Mm-hmm. There's no way this is going to happen. You can't be like this. You are the king and you need to act like one. And so he's like, you know what you should be doing? Why are they calling you L? 
Why are they calling you Ellen? True. He's like, why you? You know, they need to call you Your Majesty. And he's like, but they're my friends. He's like, so. And he starts. He's like, well, then you could start calling me. (laughs) She loves that. She starts smiling. She goes, all right, Your Majesty. And she starts calling him that by his request. And she's like, all right, here's the thing we need to talk about, though. You need to not let your guilt directly influence your confidence. And he's like, but you keep telling me everything's my fault. And she did. Up to like, At this point, she was like, listen, as the king, you're responsible for everything that happens, good or bad. Like, if someone below you kills someone, it's your fault. Like, everything is your fault. So whether it's good or bad, it's always your fault. And he's like, well, if you're telling me that, how can I not feel guilty about everything that's happening? And she goes, the way you do it is you convince yourself that the outcome that happened would have been way worse without you no matter what. And I, was, I actually thought that was pretty good advice, right? When you think of, I think of personal situations I've gone through where, you know, I might have not been the best person to make the decision, you know, in a general sense, but I was the best person in the situation to make a decision. And even when it turned out bad, you know, the way you talk to yourself is you have to go, that was our best chance. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, whatever decision I made, even if it was wrong, it was the best, best like decision that could have been made at that point. And that's what she's telling him to do. You're in charge. You have to realize that even when you fail, it would have been way worse. And she even goes into a full explanation goes, you're not a good kink. You're barely average. But this entire kingdom would be way worse if something were to happen to you. If you were to suddenly disappear, everything would be way worse than it is now. And I think at some point he says something to the effect or some or read around basically like, then why don't I just give up and why don't I just like let this, let this go? And she goes, because of stability. Yeah. It's like you you may not be the best person in the, in, to be in this role, but you're in the role right now. And the stability is the best thing we can have right now. Yeah. And so when he kind of gets that bit of a pep talk, she goes, all right, I got something that's uh, more uncomfortable for you. And she goes, why haven't you married Vin yet? And Ellen's like, mm, um, mm. yeah, that one isn't on me. You know, she doesn't want to get married yet. And she goes, well, why Why not? Why doesn't she want to get married? He goes, you know, Vin's not like other girls. And Dwindle, Tyndall is like, of course. Like, Ellen, the minute you start hanging out with other girls, you're going to realize that that's always the case. <laughs> we're not all the same. And he's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And she's like, no, I don't. But okay. And he's like, well, you need to maybe not hang out with her because she's your assassin. It's really like she basically starts bad mouthing then. And like the minute he, she does Ellen shuts that off, like in her face tells her basically to know her place and be quiet. And Tyndall's like, she loves it. Yeah. Tyndall's like, what the heck Ellen? She's all happy. She's like, I've been berating and bad mouthing you since I've gotten here. And I've barely gotten a rise. The minute I say one bad thing about her, you're acting like a kink. And he's like, oh, I guess so. He's like, well, I just needed to know that you loved her. And he's like, why? Why does that matter? And we see a softer side because we see Tendril go, because sometimes exceptions need to be made. And he's like, but you don't like this. You know, you, you would tell me my kingly duty takes over. And he goes, yeah, but sometimes like, she's like, you got to still like be for you, you know, in the end. She's basically saying, yeah, while it is not, it's not the best thing. For you to be caring for Vin in this situation. It's going to go against you. We have to allow this to happen. For basically you to stay sound and sane. And as a rock. And move forward. And even he points out. 
That's probably the most caring and nicest she's ever been to him is in this moment. And uh, we get the best ending to this week. Um, another messenger is here. And they're like, it's a messenger from Set's army. And Elon's like, all right, or no, it's someone coming from Set's army. Oh, is it a messenger? No, it's Lord Set's daughter. And she's looking for Breeze. Oh, God, they were right. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, four chapters ago? Breeze, were you found with the sister? <laughs> oh, and- no. So yeah, fun way to end the to end in the, the week. week, yeah. <laughs> um, but Colas, man. So it's funny. I remember um, in our spoiler chapters talking about in the Final Empire, we were, I was saying uh, I could not believe that Colas were mentioned in the prologue, mm-hmm. and they were mentioned all throughout the Final Empire. And I think, and I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time we hear Colas in this book. It is the first time, and just so everyone knows, for you readers who are following along with our reading order, still do not go back to the spoiler episodes for The Final Empire. Those are Cosmere-wide right. spoilers, okay? Right. But that was something we talked about in those before, was like the idea that the Kolos were mentioned in the prologue, and this is the first time we actually see them in and, these series. And they actually say, like, oh, the Kolos, they're terrifying. Oh, everyone's scared of the Kolos, or the Kolos can't get there fast enough. And we don't see them at all in the first book. And here they are. And now we figure out why they're so terrifying. Huge beast, you know, type warriors. I mean, definitely like something you don't want to mess with. But something you do want to mess with is whatever it takes to get that rating or letting people know that we exist. Or I can do even more awkward transitions if I need to. But we very much appreciate people who have been following us. Please let people know that we exist um, because we are a small project. We hope to be less small in the future. Thanks again. Thank you. Um, but these are like huge guys, creatures with huge, gigantic swords um, that are go around and they kill each other. They're just absolute, absolutely brutal. And it sounds like they could basically, this 20,000 could probably level all of Luthadel if you just let him go. And there's this one weird guy who happens to have control over them. Um, it's Justice Lacau. Yeah, and I mean, we saw him in the Final Empire as well, and he was actually like a voice of reason for Ellen. He was the one that told mm-hmm. him, like, "Hey, I think Ven is kind of sus," uh, and I actually had Ven followed initially, um, and uh, he's somehow got control over these guys. And what's fascinating to me was like the Lord Ruler one feared them, like as Hazen said, feared them, and I think he probably feared them in the sense of like. They were a really destructive force, and he respected that. Um, I don't know if they would have threatened him, um, but like they were so destructive that he kept them far away from all the civilization. And here we are with 20,000 of them just chilling, essentially, um, marching essentially on Luthadel, and we don't have any clue how this ends up happening. Um, but they are, we know that Lacal is scared enough and that he doesn't really want to test his limits with them. Uh, as Caesar even says, hey, you could totally send them, send your own messengers, but that's one less person here to protect you from them. And he even considers it and says, oh, yeah, that's a good point, essentially. And Caesar's like, ah, so he's a, he's at least, he may be stupid, but he's not that stupid. He's not insane is what he said. Insane. He may be stupid, but he's, he's not insane. And so, <clears throat> I, I mean... 
this is again the first time we get to see these things, and they dwarf Sazed in size. And Sazed's already a big, tall guy. The smallest one, the smallest one, is about five foot tall. And while that would be considered, you know, shorter than average for most people, like that's the smallest one. <laughs> but they all must carry like a decent amount of strength because, like, they're they're hauling around these huge swords. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I yep. mean, I'm sure the twelve foot tall ones. Okay, sure, they could probably handle it, but then. These other guys are also handling it, and they're very brutal, very kind of simple, it seems like. Um, they speak in, like, two or three word sentences. And um, and they kill each other for just essentially almost no reason. Sazed, I think I can't remember whether Sazed pointed it out in his book or whether he just pointed it out through his own observation, but he's like, the only thing keeping Coloss from, like, taking over everything is the fact that they kill themselves as often as they kill other things. Yeah. And so, like, they, they show up really quickly, and they kill each other really quickly, and it's it's just insane. I mean, this is like if you took Spartans as, like, oh, they're, they've been bred for to be warriors all this time and took it, dial, dialed it up to, like... 15 i mean this is there there's no sense of civilization they're definitely like not human Mm -hmm. um and uh they're just an intense force to be met to be dealt with um so definitely not a another party you want to be dealing with and it's a third army that's going to be marching in i'm going to be interested to see how set and done with it that's what i'm thinking right now right if we can actually get a situation here in which like uh, Ellen and Lical are able to actually form an alliance based on what Sazed is saying, based on what Lical is saying, based on what we've just heard about the Coloss. Should this Coloss army not be able to like single handedly deal with Set and Straff's army? It sure sounds like it. Like, it sounds like essentially, um, you know, they would probably level both armies on, on its own. Um, and Lacal's like, like kind of like pretty chill. Like he's like, oh, well, I just kind of want the ATM. Like, I actually don't care. Like Ellen could totally do his own thing. I just want to kind of set my own thing up with all the wealth that's sitting, that, that he's sitting on. Um, and says it's like, seriously, dude, you are, you're, it's like a kid playing with fire. Um, and so it's, it's just like, it's a, it's an insane situation to walk into. It sounds like if these things get let loose, they they're just going to destroy everything. Um, but that's you know that's kind of like the big like peace and lore drop that we get into. But then we get like set up with Ellen and his plan, um, which again, you know, Ellen's not a dumb guy. He's just a unique guy. Like he's or like he's like a, he's not he doesn't have the street smarts to really handle a whole bunch of stuff. But he's not a dumb guy. He's thought a lot of things through. He's gotten all this set up, but... He just, he just lacks experience. Lacks experience. But he sounds like he's kind of getting it. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's he's setting up essentially a con um, between these um, between the two uh, armies. And his whole thing is he's trying to play it off as, like, hey, you know, uh, what, what was it um, Cayman in the first book? He's going to look make himself look weak so he can try to leverage himself against a bigger power. Mm-hmm. This is what Cayman essentially did with the obligators, which, again, that didn't work very well for him. But, I mean, it's a scam. He's pulling a scam, and he's thinking ahead on, you know, someone who is, like, a crew, uh, essentially a crew leader. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, the crew kind of, like gives them a little bit of skepticism, but they eventually kind of get begrudgingly set up with his plan. Um, Tendril makes the point of there's no begrudgingly when it comes to being a king. 
And again, solid point. Very effective. Um, but the more personal thing gets brought up of like, oh, what what about marrying Ven? And we find out a little bit about their relationship too with that. Yeah, we do. And I think the interesting thing here too is the fact that, you know, we all saw, you know, knowing Tendul's character up to this point, we saw what was coming a mile away when she mentioned Vin. This isn't a good look for you, Ellen. This isn't a good look. You know, Vin even mentioned herself that there's already rumors going around that. What were the three main rumors? She is, um, she's just the assassin mistress. She's actually in charge and Ellen's a puppet. Um, and uh, she's the living saint, right? And I'm, I can guarantee you that Tendril's heard all of these already. And she's like, yeah, this isn't a good look for you. But she baits him, right? I initially, when I first read this, thought she baited him because she wanted him to become more forceful. I don't think that was it actually at all. I think she was happy that that happened. But she really actually wanted to know whether Ellen loved her or not. Because she even says in the chapter, we have to allow some exceptions for ourselves. And so if she, once she realized that Ellen actually truly loved Vin, she's like, well... In her own mind, she went, this is going to have to be one of those ex- exceptions because I'm not going to get you away from her. Well, and also, I think she liked the fact that it's like, OK, so you do have a spine I can pull out at some point, um, which, you know, is a really, really effective way to um, or really, really good, good thing to do in, in these cases. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a strong way to end a week. And um, there's a whole bunch, you know, going on. Yeah. I think like it's really interesting here because we ended with we end with her messing with Ellen that way, and we end with Lord Set's daughter arriving asking for Breeze, and coming up this next week, right? We're going to see the pretty much the outcome of what's going to go on there, the consequences, as some people want to offer her asylum and others might want to use her as a bargaining chip. Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you. Tindle, Tindle, Tindle. Okay, Tindle. <laughs> I have a blooper reel now at the end of the episodes.